Welcome to Who Watches the Watchmen podcast, a weekly podcast of the new HBO series Watchmen. My name is Derek Wong. And I'm Jeff Sang. So today we're going to be covering the 2009 adaptation of Watchmen directed by Zack Snyder. This film doesn't really have anything to do with the new HBO series, but it's always interesting to look at other adaptations of the same source material, whether they're successful or not. Where do you want to start, Derek? Let's just give some facts, right? Like you said, it's directed by Zack Snyder, uh, written by David Hayter and Alex Zay. Production company was Warner Brothers. Paramount and Legendary, I guess they were all together at the time to produce this movie. Um, Some of the big stars, of course, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Edward Blake or the comedian. Patrick Wilson as Dan Drayberg or Night Owl. Billy Crudup as John Osterman or Dr. Manhattan. Malin Ackerman as Laurie Jupiters, or the second Silk Spectre. Uh, Matthew Good as Adrian Veidt, Osmandius. Jack Earl Haley as Rorschach. To interject here for a quick correction, it's not Jack Earl Haley, it's Jackie Earl Haley. And probably the last notable actor is Carla Gugino as uh, Sally Jupiter, the first Silk Spectre. So let's talk a little bit about, or let's start with Zack Snyder. So, oh, Zack Snyder. Where, <laughs> where do we start with Zack Snyder? What are we going to do with Zack Snyder, you know? Um... Well, I, I think, you know, we've had, we're what, almost 10, we are definitely 10 years removed from this movie, right? So we've definitely seen plenty of Zack Snyder movies come out after 300, after this. Very famously, what, the the Owls of, I don't even remember what that movie's called. Gahul? Is it Owls of Gahul? Yeah. Owls of Gahul? Gahul? I don't even, yeah. I don't even know. And I think that Sucker was Punch. Like little and, passion uh, project. <laughs> Sucker Punch. And then we had Man of Steel. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Batman vs. Superman. Batman vs. Superman. Dawn of Justice. We got to say the whole title. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess you have to say the full title. <laughs> and then par- partially, uh, partially Justice, Justice League. League. So, yeah, he he's had a lot of big movies come out since then not all of them are good most of them i would consider are not good but i mean if people remember going back all the way to 2009 the only movie he did i believe before watchmen was 300 in 2006 Uh, no actually no uh, his first movie and probably his best movie was dawn of the dead oh you're right yes he did Mm -hmm. do dawn of dead and i do love that movie so yes i agree that was probably his best movie so he had two good movies before this, right? Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I, actually, I actually did Dawn, like Dawn movies. of the Dead was two thousand four, so that was a good time, good good amount of time before before three hundred, before three hundred, and then this and three hundred before even um, Watchmen. So he had two decent, you know, movies that I thought were pretty good that I really enjoyed. So, I mean, if you put yourself back in two thousand nine when this movie was announced, probably people were actually excited that Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder was doing this movie versus when you think about Zack Snyder now. I think Dawn of the Dead put him on the map, and mm-hmm. then uh, 300 was like one of his passion projects adapted from a Frank Miller comic book. And then after that, that was a huge success, 300, right? So, I mean, I never read that graphic novel or comic book, but I did definitely 
I like that movie. You know, I still I still enjoy it. It's a it's a very good adaptation of the of the comic book by Frank Miller, but it has its problems. It's oh yeah, it's a, it's a little racist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got like all all the Greeks and the Spartans are like white dudes, and then and then the Persians and and the villains they're all like hunchback, faceless dudes, and like that's more of a problem with the source material than than uh his adaptation then uh then he goes on to make watchmen um do you want to talk about his dc universe movies we can i mean did you did you like any of his movies that he did for the dc i did not (laughs) okay Uh, all right man of steel was okay yeah i was gonna say the one i do like the most is probably man of steel i actually don't I, i don't have as big of a problem as it, as I think most people have with Batman versus Superman. Like, I think there are stuff or things that he does in that movie that I generally like. Like I, I like his interpretation of Batman actually. Oh yeah. I think, I think Ben Affleck makes it, makes a good, good yeah. Batman. And if you're going to start off a cinematic universe, I think man of steel is okay. You're, yeah. you're not making any huge missteps. I mean, you kind of fundamentally don't understand what makes Superman so great. And like, you're not really writing a great Superman story, but like, it's not, it's not awful. It's not like, Oh, you're totally messing it up. And then, but I think, I think the further they go along this route, the worse, the worse it gets. Yeah. I mean, justice league is definitely uh, not, definitely not good. <laughs> but just justice league is a mess from beginning to end. Right. Yes. Because, yeah. Like his, his daughter tragically committed suicide. So he had to, he had to leave the production, and then Joss Whedon took over. And you, you can, you can, you can tell. Yeah, um, you can definitely see this the the scenes of where I think Zack Snyder's ideas blends with Joss Whedon's ideas. Yeah, I think I think Zack Snyder, like, say what you want about him, he's a he's a visual auteur. If you want, mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. want to go in that direction, I definitely agree. And then, and then Joss Whedon is decidedly not. Uh, a visual flourish kind of director. Um, so he's more interested in like character work and things. And, and you get like a big clash there. So like, and I think Justice League is just an ugly, ugly movie. Like it doesn't look good. It looks, it looks sloppy. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's why I don't have as, I, that's kind of why I say I don't have as big of a problem with BBS. Yeah. Because it does at least look like there are definitely some shots that are really beautiful and I, I think you know some of the directions he takes with the characters are very questionable, but it, in the end of the day, I still enjoy it. I think the further Zack Snyder uh, leaves like grounded uh, real life storytelling, the worse he becomes. Because like his best movie is Dawn of the Dead, right? That, yeah. that movie's like a really taut, scary, funny. It's like super well paced. But mm-hmm. then when you get to, like, big, grandiose ideas, like, his visual sense kind of gets in the way, and, and it just becomes really, really muddled. So, like, I think he needs two things. He needs someone else to, like, tone down his, his more, like, flamboyant tendencies with, like, the visuals, and, and he needs someone to write the scripts for him. Because, like, whenever he's, when he's in charge of the script, it's, it's usually not, not so great. And to your point, I think Man of Steel, it shows, like, even with contained within a movie, that it shows that point, right? I, I really like the stuff that he does as young Clark Kent, 
that kind of more grounded emotional stuff, you know, the father son relationship. But once he gets into the Zod world destroying plot, it just, that's where it loses me a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and that movie is like really oddly paced because you're spending like, Oh yeah. 20, 20 minutes, half an hour on Krypton with all these characters that aren't even in the rest of the movie. It's like, by the time you get to earth, you're like kind of already like, Oh, come on, Kent, let's, let's get going. And then, and then, like, there's no character progression from the beginning to the end of the movie either, right? Like, Superman's the same as he is in the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie, except he's now he's he's killed a dude. <laughs> he's killed the dude. He's killed yeah. the last he's, other person of his race. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think Superman killing someone is like an interesting way to way to go about the character. Well, it's funny because I remember there was a little controversy about that, right? They didn't. They didn't do it well. They didn't do it well. But I think it's interesting if they can play it where this is the incident where he's like, "Oh, I, I'll, I'm never gonna kill someone again." But like, I didn't. I didn't buy it in this movie anyway. So, did you have a problem with uh, Batman killing? Uh, Batman is just a straight up murderer <laughs> in, in all these all these movies. He's like blowing up cars where there's clearly people in it. Um, yeah. And then, like, he's clearly shooting that guy's, like, whatever, flamethrower tank. Or yeah, whatever. that guy's he, dead. He, he, he's definitely dead. Like, he, he straight up murders people in that movie. Yeah, so, like, yeah. that's, that's a little problem out, problematic, I think. Okay, well, let, let's, let's get into the main movie, right? Watchmen. Yes, let's, let's talk about Watchmen here. So, let's, uh, let's start with the movie at a place where let, let's try to define maybe some of the bigger choices Zack Snyder makes to change or Zack Snyder and the writers to change the story compared to the graphic novel. The big one, I think, of course, uh, we talked a, a little bit last week about the ending of the graphic novel and, you know, how that's different than the movie where the movie, instead of sending an alien to do the destruction he basically makes it look like it's Doctor Manhattan, Manhattan. and uh, another big difference is that he doesn't just send it. I think in the graphic novels, it, he just sends the alien to New York, but in the movies, he sends it to like cities like all over the world. So it makes it look like it's more of a world threat than just centralized in America. I think. I think uh, at first glance, this is a change that works. Yeah. Right. Uh, because. This was 2009, right? So uh, we're not really in the big uh, comic book movies where everyone's accepting like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all that stuff. So a big giant alien squid monster isn't really going to be easy to pull off and for people to, to buy it. So when I first saw this, I was like, huh, that's, that's interesting. So like um, making Dr. Manhattan the scapegoat of this big attack it's like, oh, that's that's interesting. It's like, it's a it's a creative choice that kind of works. But but then, like, if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense at all, right? Oh, what do you mean? The big thing is that Ozymandias' plan is to get the entire world united, mm-hmm. and this this giant alien squid is like, it's like uh, nobody knows where it came where it came from. It's a it's a completely unknown. Um, it's just this crazy event that happens and then everyone's united and like in in the face of tragedy 
But like in the movie, it's Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan's American. But I think, at least for me, the the story sets up like you know, fate kind of portrays Doctor Manhattan, and then he kind of makes Doctor Manhattan a little bit like a, a villain in the story, right? Where he's the one who causes cancer to some of the characters, and he leaves to go to Mars. So I mean, I can kind of like suspend, suspend belief and then think that maybe people would believe that he's cracked or something and then he's just taking it out on the world so i mean i I, it's a stretch and i don't necessarily not believe it though it could have probably been set up better but like if you think about like the other countries i don't think they're gonna be like oh he used to be american but like i see what you're saying it's almost like well this but that's i think then that's why american cities have to get attacked too right so it's not just like if yeah, if he sent if, if all of a sudden these nukes were like everywhere but anywhere in America, then it would look like Doctor Manhattan's working for right. America. I mean, but like but, I yeah. I just think like for Ozymandias to have like such a foolproof plan, that's kind of like a you're taking a big chance there that the other countries won't yeah. be like, oh, he's an American, you know. And like one of the biggest lines in in both the graphic novel and the movie is like, oh, the the Superman is real and he's. He's American, like you say yeah. it right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where he's he's clearly a U.S. Uh, citizen. He's yeah. He's, he fought for the U.S. during with the Vietnam War. So yeah, I, I I definitely understand your point. Interesting facts, actually. So the writers of this movie, uh, David Hayter and Alex Say. I don't really know much about Alex Say, but David Hayter is famous as the voice of solid snake oh is he in all the metal gear solid video games that's really cool (laughs) i had no idea and he is unique in the fact that his script is the closest thing that alan moore has come to accepting an adaptation really i remember an interview where he's like david Hayter's script is very very good and like he really liked it. I don't think he out and out like gave his stamp of approval, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the what the final product is or how much it resembles. Yeah, how much it resembles David Hayter's script, but apparently Alan Moore really liked it. As adaptations go, this one is problematic and there are definitely things that I think exactly Snyder chooses to do that is not really cohesive to what I think Alan Moore was trying to say with his book. So like if you want to look at like 300 as an example, so what Zack Snyder did was he took Frank Miller's uh, comic book and he essentially used that as storyboards, right? Um, And that's fine. That's like that's just a, a a war movie, you know. Um, there's there's no really subtle nuance that you need to bake into your your script or your uh, your storytelling. Um, it's just like good guys, bad guys, right? And then he took that approach uh, to Watchmen, and it clearly doesn't work there because, like, I want to say that Watchmen is as faithful as it can be to the graphic novel while kind of missing the point entirely. I mean, we talked a little bit last week about, you know, Alan's more kind of disdain 
for violence, but also kind of this uh, break breakdown of like the superhero genre. So, I mean, if you watch the movie and actually read the the graphic novel, the the movie is just ultra violent compared to what what actually happens in the graphic novel. Yeah, like, yeah. He he like you know the scene where like Rorschach kills the guy in the apartment like is much more grotesque grotesque in the mm-hmm. movie. Even the scene where like Mister um, Dark Manhattan kind of blows up all those people in the club. Right, I think right. in the comics, it's just their heads. Yeah. Yeah, and like they just get like vaporized. They get vaporized, um, you know, like but it was like it was like they, bloody chunks. Yeah, they they explode gore. and they just like blood and chunks. I mean, that's all, that's everywhere. fine, I guess. That's uh, I don't, that doesn't bother me as much. But like right off the bat, you're having issues, right? Because the the film opens up with uh, the comedian in his apartment, and then. Um, the, the unknown assailant who we find out in the end is uh is Ozymandias uh comes in and and they fight uh and he throws him out the window to his death right um all right like Zack Snyder's very good with fight scenes like it's a mm-hmm. pretty well done fight scene and yeah it's pretty cool but right off the bat you're you're having issues with fidelity to the graphic novel right because no one in the graphic novel has superpowers. And then right here, you are you have these two people fighting and they're like punching chunks of concrete off the wall yeah, and stuff like that. So the whole thing is putting unpowered superheroes into the real world and how it would affect history, how it would affect our society. And by doing that, you're like, you're kind of already missing the point. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I just I just didn't think that that worked. I mean, it's cool to look at. I thought the the unforgettable song, the needle drop is pretty good. I like I like his I like his stylistic choices here, but it's all window dressing, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think he tries to kind of put the Zack Snyder touch on things. And sometimes, like you said, sometimes it works. I think he's good at crafting fight scenes, I think like we've already mentioned in his other movies, he's very good at crafting a certain, like a scene, right. Or even a frame of a scene, kind of like a graphic novel, but at the same time, some of the flourishes he chooses to do, like doesn't work for me. I don't want, I don't want to shit on the movie <laughs> for this entire hour or whatever. No, no, uh, no. I, I actually do think there are some things that I, that are good about this movie that I, I do like about this movie. The opening credits of this movie are really, really good. It might be the best part of the movie. Because I remember going in and being excited for the movie, but like cautiously optimistic. And when I saw the opening credits, I was, I was kind of blown away. I was like, wow, this is, this is really good. Yeah, it captures like graph- moments in the graphic novel that like take place late in the graphic novel. But it kind of like consolidates it so you kind of understand the world that you're getting into. I like the music choice there is really good. Bob Dylan's uh, the times they they're changing, you know. That it's really really good, and it just goes throughout like his, the the history of the United States, but um, how Doctor Manhattan affects uh, history, how all these costume superheroes affect history. It's just it's super well done, and I, I and I really like that. It's probably my the favorite my favorite part of the, the whole movie. 
Um, did you did you rewatch this recently? Or yeah, I just rewatched it like a week ago. I think a week ago, I did as yeah. well. To prepare for this, I wanted to kind of rewatch it, and I reread the graphic novel so that I can kind of get a right a good grasp of both. Like, I mean, I wasn't bored. I still, I still, I don't know. I still enjoy watching this movie. I uh, it took me a couple times. To, oh to no! <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a lot of the dialogue is really stilted. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I think some of the actors are poorly chosen for their role. Like, I'm not the biggest. Oh, fan you do? Of, okay. I'm I'm actually not the biggest fan of Malin Ackerman as um, Silk Spectre too. Yeah, I mean, she's okay. She's there's nothing uh you know what you know who i have a real problem with matthew good as ozymandias i was about to say he's probably the other one that i'm not the biggest fan of uh, his performances it's not a bad performance per se but he he comes across as really really sinister in this movie <laughs> yes. like from from the get-go but like in the graphic novel like He's he's supposed to be a little charming, you know. He he can yeah. Be... He's very charming in the graphic novel, and like he seems like a superhero type, right? Um, but with Matthew Good's performance, you're like you you watch it, and you're like, this guy's up to fucking something. He's you know he's evil. You yeah, know. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I I totally agree. Where it, it his performance is just it, it's a little too stoic for me i think yeah it's too a little too stiff and it's there's like no personality to him other than he doesn't he doesn't throw you off his scent at all right like like you're a little surprised at the end of the graphic novel that ozymandias is capable of something like that you know but like here i don't know (laughs) i just i just didn't think it was it was a good faithful performance well, okay, so what are there any performances that you really liked? I like Patrick Wilson as Night Owl, actually. I like Patrick Wilson as an actor generally, and I do like him in I this role. But for me, I, I think he doesn't look like how I think Dan Drayberg should look like. What do you mean? I, I think in the graphic novel, he's, he looks a little bit more schlubby to me. Like he, he looks more like an every man. He's a little, you know, he has a little bit of a beer belly or like a little bit of a belly. He's more yeah. of like a he's just supposed to look like a normal guy, I think. But he kind of gets that look with like his glasses and stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah. But then once you realize it's Patrick Wilson, like the guy's really handsome man. <laughs> yeah. He's um, not I don't I think Patrick Wilson is is really good as as Dan. It's that when he's at when he's night owl, you're like no, like, you don't really. Yeah, you don't believe him as much. Yeah, yeah, because like, because last week I was, I said like, uh, Night Owl. He's he's just a guy who's like in over his head the entire time, right? Uh, he's kind of like a schlubby dude, and then like, he puts on the costume. He's not any different. But then like, here he's putting on the costume. He's like snapping people's arms and like putting his fist through people. It's like, well, like if you if you like look at the comic book or the you know, yeah the comic book panels. Even in the costume, he doesn't look like that fit. Yeah, no, no, no. But he's then not... he, when he's like in the movie, he just looks like he looks like Batman, just not you know brown, right? He looks really yeah. muscular. He looks like he's a fit guy, and I'm like, that's not what I imagine Night Owl slash Dan to look like. So I, I like his performance, but I think you know their choice to make him 
a little bit more athletic, I guess is the, is maybe the right word. It was not. I think some of the lines come across like really badly. Like some of the iconic lines are like, I think they get really botched. You know? Yeah, some of them. Um, yeah. So I think when uh when Night Owl and the comedian are are on like riot patrol or whatever, uh, Night Owl's like, "What happened to the American dream?" And then uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the comedian is like, uh, "Like." It came we're true li- or whatever. Yeah, like we're living <laughs> it. Sounded, it. Yeah, it yeah. sounded really forced. Some of the, some of the lines are a little little corny, a little forced. I think for me, the person that I think is the big standout is you know Jackie Earl Haley as 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 Rorschach. Like he, I remember watching the movie because I think I watched the movie first before I just... Oh, no, I started tackling the graphic novel again, and then I just, like, one weekend had some free time, so I watched the movie. And then I, like, started reading the graphic novel again, and I just realized and you, that... You, you use his voice. To yeah, like, his voice is that voice to me, and it's it's he's really good as Rorschach. I think the characterization's a little off, though. I think uh, in the graphic novel, he's more of a more of, like, a crackpot conspiracy theorist. He's a little bit more manic. Yeah, and then in in the movie, he's kind of an edge lord, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just so uh, brooding all the time, and you get that a little bit in the graphic novel, but not to like this extent. I think you know, talking about some of the lines, like his the line he delivers in the prison, I think is really well done when he's like oh yeah like, oh, you're, you're not stuck in here with me you're stuck yeah. here with me and then i love i still love the ending when he you know right before he dies and he's just like takes his mask off and he just just says do it i mean i think yeah, i mean he looks his performance. like he looks like walter kovacs yeah too, right? like yeah like, talking about appearance he, he yeah he does look like the actual character so that's that's very true but a lot of the things in the graphic novel also get get lost in translation too because Zack Snyder's like again he's just using the graphic novel as a as a storyboard right for for the film and you lose a lot of the visual aspects of like Dave Gibbons really really incredible art and and even like the the lettering and the the word bubbles you lose a lot of that too oh yeah because like Rorschach he goes through like a mental break after he mm-hmm. Discovers after, the, uh, yeah, the child when he discovers the child, and then, and then like after that, like before before the before his discovery or whatever, his 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 word bubbles are all all normal, like what you would think. But then afterwards, like all the letters are jagged, like like the word bubbles are jagged. Um, it really sells like his mental breakdown after after that discovery, and you don't really get that in you don't in, in the film. Yeah, you, you don't. You definitely don't. So yeah, there's definitely some things that are lost and that are really great about the graphic novel. Like, I actually really love the stuff. With, and I mentioned that last week. I really like the stuff with the, um, the Black Freighter. And I love, like, the scenes where, or in the comic panels where you have to, like, I, I remember the first time I tried reading the graphic novel, I tried reading... Like there's a point where there's a, a kid who's sitting on the street. And he's he, he's in the movie too, but you don't really know why he's there. Yeah, uh, yeah. because he the, his he has a 
quote unquote bigger role in the graphic novel, but he's reading the comic, you know, the Black Raider comic. And, you know, there's a point where it's, you know, the the news, the guy running the newsstand is talking over him trying to read the graphic novel. So you get both lines kind of over on top of each other in each panel. And I remember the first time I tried to read it, I tried to read both of them at the same time. And then I realized I need to read them <laughs> separately. Yeah, like I need yeah, to read, yeah. I need to read all of, you know, the the guy who's running the newsstand all at once and then go back and reread the, the Black Raider stuff. And it made a lot more sense that way. And I really like that. Like he kind of intermingles that, and then you, it requires you, or at least required me to read a comic in a different way. Right. And then like the, the, the way you figure out like how to read it is like, you're like discovering the narrative. Right. So it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting in, in that way. And then um, for Watchmen, it's like, oh, here's a special feature with the Black Freighter animation. Uh, which wasn't even in the theatrical release. Um, I mean, that's that's fine. Uh, I I can respect the their uh, decision to include it somehow. But I also don't know how they would have actually included it in the movie. Like, yeah, no, I don't think it would. I I think this is probably the best case scenario where where they have like a supplemental uh, extra feature on the on the Blu-ray or something. Yeah, well, I think another thing that I liked about the film was the the birth of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. I thought that was very spot on. It was a good translation of the source material. I think visually, I think visually it was a good, kind of like that moment. But I still actually really love the graphic novel and how it just like, it's jumping through like three different timelines and like he's, the way he speaks is just... I, I really like how they do it in the graphic novel. So if you haven't read the graphic novel, go read the graphic novel. I think, yeah, I think that's one of the, the best sequences and most memorable ones in both the film and, and the graphic novel. I don't know. Do you want to give a little recap of that? Cause it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, in the graphic novel or yeah, in the graphic novel, he is kind of remembering when he becomes Dr. Manhattan, right? So it kind of jumps in between this. He's holding this kind of photograph of him in, um, is it Jenny Slater? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's Jane, kind of Janie, Janie, Slater. Janie Slater, sorry, Janie Slater. And he, 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 he's like on Mars, but he's also remembering, you know, uh, this time where he, well, I don't think, I don't think remembering is quite the right word. Oh, man, because... Yeah. It's really hard. It's like, it's because... almost like he's existing at all those times. Yeah. Right? Cause Dr. Manhattan, he's, it's kind of like Kurt Vonnegut type uh, super superpowers where he becomes un, he's like unstuck in time, right? So he he experiences like the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. So like he's like experiencing he's always experiencing the story of his his birth as a superhuman, right? And and it's really great because he's the only character in the entire graphic novel that has superpowers. So I think this this uh, birth scene, if you will, is, is pretty important. It's like kind of like the crux of, of like super, super humanity. And he's like the only one. Yeah. So it, yeah, it jumps around like him existing in the, the moments before he, or the, like the moments he like meets Janie, he starts dating Janie, he meets um, uh, Lori and, and, you know, starts a little relationship yeah. with her. And then 
the moment you know it all kind of mingles these these moments and then when he finally goes into that that chamber and becomes dark manhattan and even the moments after where he like starts to like assimilate try to assimilate his body again it all like intermingles within each not just the pages but the cells themselves like it will just jump from one to the other and it when you first read it it, it kind of feels disjointed and 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 maybe it doesn't make sense at first but once you realize what they're trying to do like it's all these timelines kind of converging it's really kind of a beautiful yeah i think way. it's very tragic and very moving actually um like he's like he's like he's stuck in the intrinsic field generator like he locks himself in by accident and and like janie can't even look she's like oh i can't even look like because because it's con- counting down he he can't get out um like he knows he's about to die um, but he doesn't die, right? He becomes <laughs> Dark Dr. Manhattan. Manhattan. It's, it's cool. I, I I dig that a lot. So, did did you like uh, Billy Crudup as Doctor Manhattan? Yeah, I I like I like Billy Crudup um, as as Doctor Manhattan. He's pretty good. Like, I think for me, he's kind of like the middle of the line. Like, I don't think he does a terrible job, but I don't think he does an excessive. Ex- like, I don't think it's an amazing job. It's it's also one of the roles that you can't really fuck up because you don't really have like uh you don't really need to portray emotion yeah that much but you have to be good at not portraying emotion yeah because his whole thing is is he's becoming more and more removed from from humanity so if anything i think he does a good job like portraying him when he's john and then like there's just kind of a switch when he's he's dr manhattan and and i always i always give a lot of props to actors who have to Give performances in like those stupid mocap suits. I bet I bet he looked ridiculous in that thing. Oh yeah. Uh, um, so I always, I always, I always give props to to actors and actresses who who do that, like like Andy Circus and Mark, uh, not Mark. Um, yeah, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess maybe the last person that we really haven't talked about is. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is yeah. the comedian. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a fan of Jeffrey Dean Morgan just because I also, I watch Walking Dead still. And I mean, I like him as like, you know, as Negan. Yeah. He's, he's a very charismatic actor. I, I, he, he plays a lot of pieces of shit, I guess. Yeah. As, as evident by at, this, by this movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's also what Negan on, Negan on Walking, on Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, you know, this was kind of a, a jumping off point to maybe formulate his ideas for that character. Because, you know, this character is definitely a dick. And, you know, he plays it well. He's also a very complex character, right? Yeah. Yes, he is. So, like, he's the one who uncovers the entire plot by Ozymandias to to bring in the, the space squid. Or in the movie, it's to frame Dr. Manhattan yeah, so it's it's a complicated role because he's got to be a dick, but he's also got to be like the impetus behind all the plot points in the in the movie, really. Yeah, so I, I think overall the cast is good. I, I liked it. Um, I don't think you know. There's like we we talked about Malin Ackerman. I don't you know it wasn't my favorite, but I don't think she's like terrible. No, she doesn't. She doesn't like wreck the movie or anything. No, and I don't think anyone does. Although. Uh... Patrick Wilson and her her sex scene in the Night Owl ship is oh boy that is one for the ages <laughs> right it's like that is in the comics, so not awful like, yeah it is nothing so awful 
Yeah, I don't know why he thought he needed to do that, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of I've I've been noticing this a lot where a lot of movies these days have like really awful music choices and and needle drops and I'm uh I'm realizing. <laughs> like, I mean, Watchmen was 2009, right? But yeah, you know, going a little off topic, but like it chapter two had uh had that stupid song drop when it was supposed to be a scary moment. Do you remember? Uh was it the the um the Eddie vomiting? Moment? Yeah, the yeah, Eddie. yeah. And uh I don't want to talk about Joker at all, but um that <laughs> that song in Joker. Why would down you, the stairs? Down why the would stairs. you use Gary Glitter? I don't understand at all. Like, why would you? That dude's in jail for. Yes, for, for very pedophilia. Very wrong, Come on, very wrong things. I mean, I, I think I at least I would trace it back a couple years to to Guardians. I mean, I think that movie, if anything, but that's six, that's one that does it well, right? No, no I'm saying it does it so <laughs> successfully. That people that are trying to, to mimic it. it now. Yeah, no, I'm not even like. I mean, we got Suicide Squad after that, right? Which is basically DC's like, we need to make our Guardians, and that's what they did, and they did it really unsuccessfully. And but I also think that a lot of movies now are taking that influence of like, well, we got to figure out clever ways to put music into our our movies and have these action yeah. scenes set to like pop music or rock music or whatever. You know, it's. It's taking the wrong message from one successful attempt at something and just trying to, you know, it's like anything, you know, once something's a hit, everyone wants that to recreate the magic. And right, they usually right. um, anyway, back to, back to Watchmen. <laughs> the movie. Yes. Um, I'll say one thing. It's a very pretty movie. Oh uh, yeah. The cinematography is great. Um, it's, it's Larry Fong. Mm-hmm. Who is Zack Snyder's go-to director of photography? Uh, so he's done like pretty much all his films: Three Hundred, Watchmen, Sucker Punch, Batman v Superman. I don't think he did Justice League, but no, I mean that's always kind of what I believed Zack Snyder's really good at is actually, like I said, creating really enter like really beautiful movies to watch sometimes, like beautiful scenes or beautiful frames. I really want to see something that he directs where he's completely divorced from like scripting and storytelling and see what he can do with that. You know, sometimes I think he would be a better cinematographer than an actual. I I agree. I think, I think like, I think he would actually make a, a, a great cinematographer, right? The guy who just shoots or like, you know, he's the, the guy that kind of like frames the shot and like kind of shoots it. Versus the guy who's trying to, to direct and lead the story and get something get, out of that. I actors. get a lot of Michael Bay vibes from him. Do you? Yeah. I mean, not not like in like, oh, explosions and boobies kind of way. But, uh, <laughs> but like as like a very visual storyteller, right? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I Michael Bay got a start in, in commercials. Um, and And I think... There's some similarities in in the in the style. It's very it's very stylized. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think I think I mentioned on last week's episode that they already premiered 
Yes, the, the first pilot. episode of Comic Con. Um, I think people really liked it. Um, I'm not. I'm not reading anything about it. I'm just going to go into this thing, thing blind. Expectations are high. Um, no, I think yeah, review- I'm really excited. So reviews are coming out all this week. So I think the embargo has been lifted. I think we're getting a lot of people's takes on on the first episode already. Nice, nice. I'm th- debating if I want to like some. You know, sometimes I. If I'm really excited for something, I, I don't want to read it yeah. until after I've read it. You know, I don't want it influencing me in any way. But sometimes I'm just so excited I want to read it anyway. So we'll see. I don't know what I'm going to do for this. <laughs> yeah. So you think that they're not going to take anything, like even not just visually from maybe because I mean the way he visualized or the trailer visualized the uh, the I can't remember the name of that that older superhero, the the hooded one. Hooded Justice. A hooded Justice. I mean, he yeah. looks really similar to the way it's. But I mean, he looks like that's that's the just way a how he looks in the of comic, the comic yeah. right? Um, yeah, but I, I'm I'm talking I'm talking more just like the even like the coloration of it. It seems very very similar. Very similar I mean, to the one in the movie. You can't say that like they're taking things from the movie because like yeah. Zack Snyder pretty much took took the graphic novel and, novel made, it as, and like, made it the movie with, like, yeah. the, made it the movie right um mm-hmm. it's very very faithful aesthetically so i think whatever the show takes from the graphic novel you you can probably draw a through line to the yeah the no film, i that's definitely a good point that's definitely a good point but i think damon lindelof said that it's got nothing to do with the movie it's all about the about the graphic novel and, it, and it's far removed enough uh like timeline wise where where this is this is decades later right so i mean so we we see dr manhattan so it's going to be a different actor than billy crudup yeah i don't think they're sharing any of that <laughs> the actors or or anything yeah because uh, you don't want to draw that connection or yeah yeah so i'm actually interested to see who they cast as uh dr manhattan then. yeah yeah that's, that's definitely one thing we haven't seen yet could just be like a, a voice actor who knows it could be, but I think that's an opportunity to to cast someone that maybe we weren't expecting, or like someone like yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, like, and I, you know, maybe well. So I, I was, I don't know if you read out of New York Comic Con, like you know, some people were saying that Linda, Damon Lindelof hinted that you know this is a very much a contained story, right, in one season, and he doesn't know if he's going to make a second season. I feel like they always say that though. <laughs> Well, not not like one season. I think this is this is a little different, but that's uh, so that was the same case as the leftovers. So the leftovers, they it was originally going to be a mini series based on the novel, but then it was like a critical darling. Uh, but they ran out of stuff to adapt because the leftovers is a book by uh, by this author named uh, Tom Parada, and then the first season ended at the end of the novel. So oh really uh, so are we, we gonna... the second third season is just all original ideas yeah it's original ideas oh. and and not to knock on tom parada's work but like it's the second and third seasons are are better than the first season i think um because it really opens up that world but all right that's that's neither here that here nor yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, but yeah so we're, like we're if anything the... if anything is super successful and people want to keep seeing it they're gonna throw money at david lindoff to be like please just do another season or two it's already got haters. People are like, oh, we don't need a Watchmen adapt- adaptation. Uh, but everything everything has its haters these days. So yeah. I'm more of a, an optimistic, positive person. So I'm excited to, to see where it goes. So 
going back to the movie, one thing I actually did really like is the 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 visualization of Rorschach's mask. Mm, yeah, that's very cool. Like, I really I like liked, you know the idea of it. Like, because you don't like you get it in the comic, right? Because each cell it's different. Yeah, it's each different, different, right? Each panel, mm-hmm. yeah, each panel. Like, it's it's the 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 blobs are in a different place, so you know that it's moving. I think I think two thousand nine, like it had probably just reached the point where they could pull that off convincingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was, that was, that was cool. I liked, I liked that too. Just, it makes me think of the series where these guys, you know, the seventh Calvary just kind of knockoffs and like their masks aren't going to be, you know, dynamic. They're, they're just going to be right. They're just painted on with, with spray paint or something probably. So to look like Rorschach mask. So I'm, I'm going to miss that kind of effect. And so that's kind of one thing that I, I'm definitely going to miss. I mean, who who knows? You might have who knows? A, yeah. a figurehead with the... With the well, we got that one guy with the big shiny mask. Head. Yeah, big, yeah, that might be. Whatever. <laughs> I, think, I think there's going to be a lot of heated debate about this, this too, because like, just from the trailer alone, you got like racial issues being hinted at. You got like the 7th Cavalry where they're like... It definitely reminds you of like white supremacists right and then and then there's like like i thought i thought i read somewhere that they were white supremacists yeah i mean that that makes that makes sense but i i don't want to say i don't want to like quote yeah we don't want to we don't want to rampantly speculate or whatever yeah so so we'll we'll see we're gonna see very soon the show's coming out really soon so that's next next sunday right next sunday at 9 p.m 10 p.m i believe yeah it's it's 9 p.m yeah it's the game of thrones slot yeah, so we'll we'll definitely you know we'll watch that that episode and we'll probably you know do our recording uh, sometime after soon after that either the next the night of or the day after and then try to get our episodes out. You can expect us to keep the same same release schedule. Uh, we'll record either the night of or the day after, and then we'll release Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning. Yeah, so give you guys time to digest the episode, and then hopefully you'll come to us and uh, we'll we'll break it down and we'll talk and. Uh, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy, you know, our thoughts on it. I, I think that, you know, we'll conclude our episode for this week. Jeff, uh, where can people find you? You can find me and my writing on my blog at strangeharbors.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at strangeharbors. Derek, what about you? So people can find me at uh, Instagram and Twitter at the wrong dig, dig spelled D-A-Y-I-K. I also host another podcast which is more focused on movie and movie trailers. That's called the Film Trailers Podcast. You can find us on uh, pretty much any of the, the podcast platforms that you normally would find podcast. Uh, but if you liked this show, please subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you can, you know, on, on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you can uh, definitely give us five stars, uh, give us a good rating because that definitely helps to, you know, get our podcast, get this podcast out to more people because we definitely try to do this for you guys, try to put in good work. And it's always nice to, you know, hopefully be heard by more, more, more and more people. Yeah, for sure. Um, and if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, you can always email us at who watches the podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you next week.